Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we'll be talking about Minute 26, which starts with Bilbo digging in his pocket uh, for something and ends with him uh, carrying his walking stick into the study and Gandalf starts to speak. He says, I suppose, and we will find out what he says tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but this is the, uh, like the famous disappearing minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got ahead of myself the on famous Friday. Disappearing. Uh, I believe I, uh, I talked about this in a previous minute already. I don't know. Cause I got ahead of myself. Yeah. I think we, we get excited. We yeah. get, we get super excited. We get super jazzed about stuff. Yeah. Things. I mean, we do have something to be jazzed about as time goes by because we just bought ourselves an atlas of Middle Earth. Right? So we will have a better idea of exactly where things are going forward. <laughs> it's like, interesting because it's not, it's not the official like Tolkien whatever. It's it's, uh, uh, it's by David, David Day, Day, who also did a bestiary, which I have. Yeah. With like pretty cool illustrations and descriptions of all the monsters. Yeah. So it's like, but it is like, it's not the official Tolkien like brand, as it were, but it is kind of licensed. Or I mean, it has to be. Is it like unofficial? Or I, mean, I feel like it has to be licensed. Hmm. We should look into this David Day fellow. Yes, we keep buying his books, and I don't know if it's legit. Hmm. Curiouser and curiouser. The pictures are pretty. Um. So I don't have a whole lot of notes for this minute. Um, one of the things about this minute is that the uh, the Bilbo speech is filmed separately from all the crowd reactions. I think we touched on this last week. Yeah, he they he did it on set. Ian Holm never actually went and visited studio. Hobbiton. Right, which is sad. Ian Holm never got to go actually visit Hobbiton. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's true. I mean, he didn't interact with the sets, but I'm sure he must have visited at some point. I would hope so. Um, let's see. Because the bag end set is primarily in the studio. Right. And then the the birthday party stage is a sound stage. Yeah. Uh, exactly. They do a good job of uh integrating it very dressing well. Dressing the set, yeah. There's no stars in the background and stuff like when you see things where you think you'd be able to see the sky. Mm. So it's kind of obvious that they're not necessarily outside. Which Scott talked about on Friday. Yeah. It's very very nice touches like that. This also includes one of my favorite like little sequences in the beginning of the movie, which is the invisible climb up the staircase. Mm. Uh, in the cast commentary, Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan. They're like, yeah, he was really there, and they edited him out. They edited him out, but I don't believe that's true. No. I, I don't know if I have a lot of faith in what they say when it talks to them. They, they're talking about production side things. Yeah. Because they've already been contradicted a couple times by the production commentary. Right. And we'll talk about another one of those uh, this week, I believe. Yes. Uh, magnets. <laughs> magnets. How do they work? <laughs> so I like that invisible climb up the staircase. I think it, it's tracked very naturally. Mm. So I imagine that they did film him doing it and track the motions up the stairs and kind of plot it out and then just program the camera to still follow those movements. Yeah. Because they don't talk about how they they filmed no, that they don't talk about how they did that in the commentary Which, but I, that's the only way i can imagine they yeah, did it i guess you know a magician can't give away all of his tricks right it's true and i uh 
I really like the the sound of Bilbo's disappearance. There's the, a whoosh. Yeah. Like a vacuum. Uh, that happens every time the ring gets put on, though, right? Yeah. I really like that sound. The sound effect. I don't know if we heard it when Isildur put on the ring, but there was a lot of noise in that scene. Yeah. I mean, there was a battle happening. Yeah. But we definitely hear it every time Frodo, Frodo puts, puts on, on the ring. Yeah. There's a... But it's not as prevalent as it is here because it's not in as silent of a scene usually. Mm. So this is like the first one you hear really clearly and it's just like a big thwomp. Well, we also, when Frodo puts on the ring, uh, for the most part, we're seeing what Frodo sees. Yeah. And we're not seeing the, um, like the outside perspective right. a whole lot. I mean, we do in the... In Brie. In Brie. Uh, but that's in like slow motion anyway. In the really iconic moment. Right. Uh, yeah, I do. I do like the because it's. I mean, isn't it transporting you to like a different plane almost? That's kind of the way that they're handling it in these movies. Yeah, yeah. is that it, it's kind of like putting dis- you in like a dis- to borrow a term like a shadow realm. It's like planar displacement. Yeah. So I mean, like in Harry Potter, we talk about Harry Potter a lot, but in Harry Potter, when you're you know apparating or disapparating, right. there's noises for that because you're you know getting sucked out of existence and then showing up elsewhere right um and this is kind of like a realm just beneath reality is kind of the way that they they cover it everyone is all shadows and but you can see the ring wraiths clearly it's like off like everything is two inches to the left or something (laughs) (laughs) this is different and everything looks like it's kind of like disintegrating yeah um we really shouldn't be talking too much about that because we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. But I really like the look of the, ring, of the ring world. Spoilers. Uh, I wonder if, like, well, Bilbo must be in that world if he puts the ring on. Yeah, he must see that. But he's never said anything about seeing a great flaming eye on the edge of reality. That's like, true. I, I see you. Right. But he's yeah. been, um, Sauron's been dormant. He's been chilling. Yeah. He's been a necromancer. Necromancing. The necromancer. He's been necromancing. That's the name of my <laughs> band or album name, Necromancing. Necromancing? Yeah. Necromancing the stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of albums <laughs> going through our listener group. Oh yeah. Uh someone made an album cover. For a band called the Stoned Trolls, which apparently we referred to them as the Stoned Trolls last week, and just never continue talking about Did it. We apparently the Stoned Trolls. When I we're... feel like I would have made a joke, but right. But apparently we just let that opportunity slip on by, and someone latched onto that as like a band name and made an album cover for the Stoned Trolls and their debut album, Magical Fire Amazing. Mountain. Amazing. Which I thought was pretty funny. I love the listener group. You guys, all you listeners, should be in our listener group. Yeah. We'll add you. Yes. And you can contribute to the nonsense. <laughs> See, when you said, speaking of albums, I thought you were going to talk about the score, which I was actually interested in talking about this minute. Um, because the the music where he's like creeping up the hill into Bag End and then... He finally takes the ring off. Oh, and he flips it like a coin and yeah. catches it, puts it in his pocket. Because when he's he's climbing up the the hill, it's very um, whimsical, but it's also very agitated. Yeah. 
Um, and it's, it's kind of off kilter. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I think it's um, I can't think of the term right now. My ten years of musical education is failing me. Um, <laughs> but the um, I I don't know. It's the it's not quite right. Like the There's music, like disharmony. Yeah, the music is very agitated, which I think is cool because it reflects Bilbo's state. Yeah. Um, they went through great pains to try to show the effect of the ring on Bilbo mm. before we get like that final nail in the coffin right. of the effect on Bilbo down the line here. I like when he's uh, speaking um, in front of the crowd. He has, you could see sweat. And I know that's probably because they're they're filming in a studio and it's like a billion yeah, the degrees. lights are right here, right? But I like that touch because you know he's nervous, he's a little drunk, he's a little right, you know, on edge, he's a little hot under the collar up like, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I like that. It's it's kind of gross, but you know, and it reinforces this idea that maybe he wasn't a hundred percent ready to go through with it, but it, like he had to. Yeah, he felt like he had to, so he just kind of forced his hand and did it. Right. And I think that that also comes across in the music too, because it's very driven as well as agitated. And mm. then he takes the ring off, and there's this triumphant little lyrical like da da. Oh, and he chuckles to himself. Yeah, he's, he's just like ha ha ha! I tricked everyone. Yeah, there's great. like this little lyrical like triumphant moment, and then it goes back into the subtle agitation. Yeah. Even when he has, you know, even when he's happy and right uh, prepping his adventure, which I, I don't know, I'm really. Honestly, I I really love this movie, but I'm really really in- excited and interested to like listen to every single minute and analyze every single minute of the music in particular. There's very few totally silent moments in the movie. Yeah. There's very few. There w- because there's even ba- there's background music when he's giving his speech, isn't there? I think so. Yeah, there's just like some strings that are kind of high pitched and putting you on edge. Right, because it's supposed to be building to this thing, and I, I like the um, I like the perspective of him keeping eye contact with Bill with uh, Frodo during mm-hmm. that last bit, and you see Frodo kind of like leaning forward, leaning forward. He he's like he starts off like really into the speech, and he looks kind of happy, and then he's getting slowly more interested, and then concerned, and yeah. And then when Bilbo says like this is the end, goodbye, like, right. well, I mean, because we have Frodo. Uh, a couple weeks ago like you know 10 10 minutes you know something's going on right so in this moment all of his fears are kind of confirmed yeah um which they play very well i think yeah i think so too because the moment is about not only bilbo but the both of them yeah and it's almost sad that there's not more frodo bilbo scenes because elijah wood and ian home work very well together when they are on screen i think they have really good on-screen chemistry yeah They, they work very well together they play off each other well uh, because you have Bilbo as this kind of earthy, you know, older dude, like the perpetual bachelor, as Scott called him <laughs> last week. And you have Frodo, who, you know, is the embodiment of innocence and the Shire. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the interaction between not only the characters, but the characters as symbols. Right, like you have Bilbo trying to move on and, you know, pass into old age, as it were. Yeah. And then you have Frodo, like, I don't know, kind of pulling him back. Yeah. 
This is also the minute in the in the commentary where Peter Jackson says for the first for the first time, like during this commentary, that they dropped the whole Frodo sharing the birthday with Bilbo thing. Yeah. Oh, this we is need when this to, is confirmed. We need to correct. Oh yes, we need to correct several weeks of ourselves on the air. Because we've been referring to Frodo as much older than he is at this time. Right. Because thirty three? Yes. Uh they condense the timeline in the movie considerably. Which we should have known. Yes. However. I was just so focused on uh, <laughs> Frodo being the same age as Bilbo when he destroys the ring. Right. You didn't account for the 17, 17 years. years. He yes. just sits on his ass in the shire. <laughs> yeah. so it takes a long time to get a hobbit to do anything, I guess. Yeah. Or for Gandalf to do anything, really. Well, It's a little know. bit of both. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so nearly two decades. Yeah. He, he so Frodo is thirty three, yes. which makes in hindsight makes all those <laughs> the like Hobbit coming of age conversations we had make a lot more sense when even he's thirty three. <laughs> even then, at thirty three, like he doesn't look thirty three, and he doesn't age at all in those seventeen years. Right, I want to look that good when I'm thirty three. You don't look that good when you're fifty. True. Well, because do they? I I assume they condense the timeline. You have to assume. <laughs> we'll figure it out when Gandalf's on his quest, but... Well, I, I'll look into that, too, further. I, I want to know if, if, if for sure that much time goes by in the movie. Right. Or if they just let it go. Right. I mean, it does make Bilbo's aging make more sense if it is 17 years. Well, you also have to take into account the ring. Yes. Because the ring gives you prolonged life. It, like, and, suspends... And then it gives you, like, age backlash when you lose it. Right. But even then, like, it took a while for Gollum Sage to catch up with him. Yeah, because he had it for 2,000 years. 500. Yes, 500. It was sitting in a lake for 2,000 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like 2,500 years. And then Gollum picked it up. <laughs> What's the shiny thing in the water? No, it says 2,000 years. She says 2,000 years. Two and a half thousand years. Two and a half thousand years. The ring passed out oh, of all two knowledge. And a half thousand, yeah, that's... That's a lot more lyrical than 2,000. Yes. Yeah. Two and a half. <laughs> a half. A half. So we would like to formally and officially apologize for, for being wrong. For the last wrong. five weeks of this. <laughs> oh, I guess really four. Frodo didn't show up until week two. Yeah, we would have we done it sooner, but all of our stuff is pre-recorded. Yeah, we record ahead. So I had no, we didn't have the time to like. We we didn't we couldn't put in the correction officially in an earlier recording because right. it had already been done. Right. So now we've officially corrected this. Thank you, everyone who pointed this out. Many many people and made me realize that I'm dumb <laughs> and fallible. We no, we do appreciate it because you know we're not experts by any means. He likes to pretend he is, but oh, <laughs> we don't have PhDs in you know Tolkienology. Tolkienology. Tolkienography? I don't know. I did I did want to be a Tolkien scholar when I was in high school, though. It's too much work. It is a lot of work to focus in so heavily on a single thing. Although I have been, I've been doing other little bits of research as my, my response to someone about the Blue Wizards mm. shows. Finding out more about them. I need to get a copy of Peoples of Middle-Earth. Yeah, we should, we should start collecting all of the... Uh, the Histories ancillary yeah. appendices. Is, did I use that word right? I ancillary? I have no idea. I don't know. 
I'm not a reading major. <laughs> reading, writing, arithmetic. We did get a cool email, and I wanted to talk about it. Um, it's from Paul Dodson. Hello, Paul. And he asks um, that he asks why we think Bilbo is so crotchety. Like whether or not it might be just the influence of the ring making him push people away, right. isolate himself. I don't know, though, because you get the kind of impression in The Hobbit, too, that maybe Bilbo just kind of always kept to himself. Mm. Do you think it's because he grew up thinking he was better than other hobbits? Because well, he grew up a wealthy hobbit. Right. Probably. Like he, It's like... He was the 1%. Classism plus the ring equals Bilbo's a douche. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he does... I mean... He does have compassion. Yeah. He he does. Well, if he didn't have compassion, he never would have gone with the dwarves in the first place. Yeah. Because it was like the, the idea if, that they lost their home is the thing that moves Bilbo to act. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. But I also think it's the... the took, At least that's the reason that's highlighted in the Hobbit movie. I think it's the took part of him. Yes. I mean, that's what Gandalf is, is gambling on. Right, right. It's that he's more of a took than he is a Baggins. Right. Come on. You have your mother's eyes or whatever the heck. <laughs> come, come on. Yeah. Come on. So I think they're, I don't know. I I don't know. It's a cool question. Yeah. It's something to think about for sure. It's something to track uh, when we start, when, <laughs> whenever we get to The Hobbit. Yeah. Comparing Bilbo at 50 to... Uh, well, like, 11D first. When Bilbo. you just think about the movies, the, those Hobbit movies, Bilbo is still kind of an like a like a crotchety douchebag. Well, yeah, but he's that's all he's ever known. I my personal theory is that he grew up very wealthy and very sheltered. Yeah, and then he came of age, and then this wizard ruined his his front door, and he got thrown on this adventure where his dwarf friends die. He comes back with all of this money and everyone wants to know what's going on. And then he's like, I don't care. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I think that's, and the ring on top of it. And the fact that when he came home, his relatives are trying to sell his house. Yeah, that would make me upset too. I'd be very upset if I just disappeared for two years. They were just trying to auction off all of the stuff in his house to everyone in Hobbiton. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Because the ring makes Gollum kill his friend, right. cousin, brother. But also, it's also like part of what makes Gollum retreat into isolation. Yeah. Keep other people away. So I think it's just his predisposition to be a little lofty than other people, like a little lofty plus the influence of the ring. Yeah, just kind of made it more... Yeah, it, it, I think it amplifies it over time. But there's still so much, like, playfulness in the way that Bilbo thinks of himself as an ass. Yeah. Like, because he's chuckling to himself that he just tricked the whole town. Right. And I think also it it comes from uh, his his entry, the Concerning Hobbits entry, yeah. because he is, he does paint Hobbits in a, a nice light, but he's also very critical of them, too. Very condescending. And we talk about it, you know. Uh, 
And he's laughing to himself the whole time through that, too. Yeah. He just thinks that his description of hobbits is one big joke. I think because... Uh, because I think a few people in the book, if I am correct, I think Gandalf says it at some point, uh, but hobbits are, like, sturdier of of will. Yeah. Uh, so they can handle the ring a little better. Uh, but I think because Bilbo's had it for 60 years. Right. Over 60 years. It's starting to, starting to crack him. Yeah. Especially now that Sauron is starting to... Yeah, Sauron's grow. awake. He is awake. Someone woke up daddy. <laughs> oh my god. Please never call Sauron daddy ever again. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, okay, so you know that part in in Return of the King with the messenger, and he comes out from Mordor, he's talking about Sauron. <laughs> You've made father very displeased. <laughs> oh my god. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Is just dark daddy. Oh no! No! <laughs> no. <laughs> I am not calling the episode Dark Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's, that's I think it. that's the end of today. <laughs> I've broken you. It's fine. No. <laughs> I'm never gonna whatever someone shows up now. We're just gonna have mystery science theater three thousand while we're watching it and be like, "Hey, dark daddy, <laughs> I cannot breathe." Anyway, um, <laughs> you can find us <laughs> on duelinggenre.com. Um, send us an email, like our friend Paul. Thank you, Paul at contact at lordoftheringsminute.com we are also on twitter l-o-t-r minute uh now that we're back from our honeymoon i promise to be more uh more better more better <laughs> more more consistent with our tweets uh we are also on tumblr l-o-t-r minute.tumblr.com um, we have an official Facebook page as well as a listener group where all of the shenanigans and the fun discussions are happening. So check those out. Uh, we're on iTunes. If you have a second, please leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you want to hear more weird, uncomfortable, <laughs> weird tangents about Sauron, uh, give us a boost there. We also have other podcasts on duelinggenre.com such as the doctor's companion which i co-host with scott and nick of back to the future minute um and our audio drama geek by night is there and i believe geek by night is coming back this week which is exciting but i could be wrong it could be next week um i should be i should know that but i don't it's okay uh, <laughs> And we have a Patreon, which you can access uh, at duelinggenre.com slash support, as well as a one-time donation button and merch. Uh, not for this podcast just yet, but we're working on it. 
And special thanks, as always, to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow with Minute 27. Bye! Bye!